0: Hello, this is Mary Porter. This is Work Like a Woman. I've just got off a flight from New York. I've got jet lag, and this is <laughs> Emily Bryce Perkins. I'm pregnant as
1: hell and you're <laughs> jet lagged as
0: hell. Oh yeah, yeah. Just so sitting on this,
1: just loafing about on
0: the sofa oh, in the kitchen. Oh, oh. Anyway, it's oh. a beautiful day, sun shining. It's that kind of crisp English day that feels like New York. It does. Oh. Beautiful. How was New York? Um It was great. I mean, I love New York. I can't help it. I keep singing sort of um, Ryan Adams, I still love you, New York, when I was walking around, but slightly disappointed in the retail. I mean, it's all going, yeah, you can you can feel it. The street urban stuff's brilliant. You know, the sort of, you know, the, the, the sort of Supremes and the palaces and all those fantastic urban brands just making it happen. And the Glossiers, the new kids on the block and the old people are just kind of like, the old grand dames are like lost. Yeah, They're still sitting there, you know, s- sipping the their cocktails thinking it's all going to be alright it isn't <laughs> it isn't <laughs> One bloody our, hell um, is expensive
1: is it oh my Gosh. One of our art directors, Lisa, um, this morning when we, we gather together on a Tuesday morning and yeah. have a little catch up with the all agency and Lisa had brought this beautiful packaging over from a pop-up, like a Japanese makeup pop-up where they transform the entire store around one product. So it's about this beautiful eyeliner inspired by calligraphy and it was so stunning.
0: Exactly. And so clever. It's the new kids. It's visionary, it's creativity and it's understanding that that is the future and no longer big organisations who have just got systems that can out so much stuff, how big, how fast, yeah, how can we get it to you? Those days of suffocation are over, and as are the businesses that were feeding that consumer beast. It's dying, it's dying. What was Black Friday like over there? Oh, Kellora. I mean, I did go out, um, because, you know, I was there, so you had to go out. But interestingly, again... On the Black Friday, the people doing it were the big brands and the big retailers who were cl- desperate for you to go in. All the coolios weren't doing it, and they were the ones with the queues. Now, who wants thirty percent off shit? Yeah, when well, you've got too much shit, thirty percent off extra shit—it doesn't kind of ring, does it? You don't no. go, must go out and get that more shit. Have more shit.
1: This week, our guest Josh Krzyzewski. Josh is chief exec. E M E A of Mediacom. That means something about What's that, emotional and- mentor. <laughs> I never <laughs> remember Empathetic. bloody acronyms. Um just means like like over loads of areas. Yeah. Um, big boy, big, big, lad, big top big boy. of the tree. Um he <laughs> He is the chief exec of MediaCom. If you don't know what MediaCom is, they are the number one media agency, and they are enormous. Um, in Josh's, Josh's time, since he's been there, he's grown them from sort of 600 people to 1,400. They've just won, again, if you're not in our industry, Campaign Magazine's a pretty big deal if you work in advertising, and they've just won Campaign Magazine's um, Media Agency of the Decade, um, which is a great accolade, but for all in for good reasons. So um, a few stats for you here: 42% of entry-level staff um, into MediaCom have come from a bame background in the last year bame is black asian minority ethnic which is fantastic and they've done so much stuff for the culture and the well-being because media agencies by nature are really total like total assholes really aggressive sales 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 so um, i knew a few (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah
1: they work really hard so josh has introduced um mental health allies into the agency so there's people that are available for any employee to go and talk to and it could be about anything it could be personal or work related but these are people that have truly championed throughout the business and it's you know in josh's words you know it's really made an enormous impact to staff morale and has made talking about mental health not to at all it's a fully accepted part of who we are as humans so it's a really lovely thing that he's done there this
0: just all comes back to everything that we're talking about the kindness economy that we have kick started at, at Portus. As as a as a as, a, as a, a a byword for what we're talking about here. Nothing more than that that what this shows, be a decent human being understand that in the world of work, these are people who have lives, emotions, have problems, have issues, but also want to be their full, authentic selves at work and bring that in and know that there's no shame, there's no hiding. That is the kindness economy. And here's a business that has grown, doubled, one of the most toughest industries. Like I knew those media guys, you know what? They were real tough, you know, do the deal, do the deal. And he's built this on understanding the kindness economy and when people say to me yeah it's okay in the re world if you do that what no no this is putting people first understanding what makes us the best we can be with honesty empathy all those things collaboration transparency bring that into your business and people grow like little flowers with a little sunflowers with the head looks up to the sun.
1: Mary's now doing an
0: impression of a sunflower. That's true. I can physically sit <laughs> little sunflower, and they go up like that because they know it's not a big daunting grey energy that's around them. It's light mm-hmm. and you grow towards the light and it just makes sense. And I love you, Josh, for doing this, mate. And I love you for being vulnerable enough for talking about your issues and saying, and being completely candid about every part of your life. So here's Josh.
2: We introduced a thing called My Mental Health Story, which was about three years ago, where on Mental Health Awareness Week, five people sent out their own personal story on an email to the whole company with their name to it, where they talked about either their own personal mental health issue or a loved one or something that's happened in their life and the way it's affected them. And you could literally have heard a pin drop when that email went out. The whole company read it and immediately start people would respond to that person either saying just well done well done for being brave or that really resonated with me that story i've had a similar experience myself and i, and I never felt like i could talk to anyone about it or someone might uh, read it and say i've had a similar experience and i can give you advice about the way that we dealt with it anyway so that happened and it overnight changed things we do events quite a lot and we had an event where someone stood up on the stage and just said, I suffer from depression, and it's something that I've suffered from for a long time. And he talked about his own personal experience. And those people are celebrated, and our, and our mental health allies are celebrated in the company. And they're front and centre of all the different events that we put on, even if they're nothing to do with mental health. Then now more and more people want to share their experiences. So the next Mental Health Awareness Week, we had 19 people sent out on my mental health story. And so... The My Mental Health story has sort of moved into now when we do Black History Month, we have My Black History Month story or my, you know, when it's Pride, My Pride story. And so people are openly sharing. I love of that. this. Emily Bryce
0: Perkins, write them down. I, we could have that in our businesses. I love that. I'm like, I don't need to Am I get inundated on the it. pride story? <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, we're quite heavy on pride uh, at Port That's
2: great. Oh, okay, <laughs> right,
0: okay. <laughs> oh, no, we know, we know, we know. <laughs> um,
1: Josh, you talk, you talk about sort of creating this culture of empathy and obviously that fits with what we're talking about with the kindness economy. Did, did I read right that you had empathy ambassadors? Yes, that that's right? right, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, so, talk me through this. All
2: right, so I always thought this was a really empathic culture. At Mediacom and and I always felt that because when I first joined the Mediacom UK seven years ago, I was in a leadership team which was actually there were more women than there were men. And I do think that you know having a strong female voice in a company does or should create just more empathy within a business. There is an element of truth in that, but also not necessarily. You know, I don't think you can just assume that. When I took over, you know, I, I think I'm quite empathetic. I think I've got better. I don't, haven't always been as empathetic as I probably am now, but I've worked on it. But I ha- once had a conversation with somebody, just someone who works there, you know, relatively junior person. She said that she didn't feel that empathy was treated as a quality as importantly as it should be and that people were rewarded for their empathy. Whenever people ever say things like that to me, I always immediately become defensive and go, that's not true. But I didn't say this to her, but I thought to myself, no, this is really empathetic culture. But actually, I think she was right. And I think that, you know, sometimes it's the kind of loudest, most directive people who move up. the. At Mediacom, we always say, if you're a collaborative person and you work hard, you want other people to succeed, you will generally do well here. And I think that is true. But I think those people are also quite strong driver types. It did make me conscious that, you know, we've probably got people who are a bit softer, who are really talented, who maybe they're not being heard enough. So I was recommended to speak to um, a lady called Belinda Palmer, who runs a business called the Empathy Business. So we spoke and basically I commissioned her to come and work with Mediacom and um, she identified areas that the, of how we were communicating with our people and also how we were all communicating with each other that could just have a bit of a shift and make them yeah. a lot more powerful and more effective. And I'm going to get this wrong, but the one thing that I learned from, from from her was empathy isn't just about being nice to people. It's about being able to have kind of openness and honesty and just being able to be straight with people. But it always has to come from a place of love. I don't think Belinda actually used those words, but I think that's right. I think if it comes from a place of love, and I think great leadership always needs to come from a place of love as well, by the way. If you can do that, then it means things like the things that we call difficult conversations or, you know, difficult feedback. When they come from a place of love, they're not necessarily received that badly. And I think that sometimes we shy away from those things. And I think if you can... If you can create empathy in an, in an organisation, then you can still challenge each other as much as you ever did. In fact, you can probably do it more, but you'll get a better product at the end of it.
0: It's candle. It's rigorous, open candle and transparency. We we call it kindness, doing it with kindness. But is this the right thing I'm doing here? And is this the fair thing? Am I doing this for the right reasons for the business and this person, this human here? And, you know, we've had terribly, you know, open conversation when, you know, and, and I've parted ways with, with people in the business when we know it's just not working. But I know that they have left feeling that it also wasn't working for them. And it wasn't a case of we're parting ways and you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And empathy isn't a word that's often used because it's quite difficult to define empathy. Yeah. It's a feeling. Yeah
1: the empathy definition um that springs to mind is so sympathy is if you're walking along and there's a hole and there's a person that's fallen down the hole and you'll go oh and you'll lean in and you'll say i'm so sorry that you're down that hole i'll go and get help and you'll be helpful but if you're walking past and you're being truly empathetic you get in the hole you sit with the person and you meet them in their feelings Right. That's the definition. So it's actually so going I mean, I see much so further.
0: <laughs> some old bird who's fallen down the Get down, down the bloody hole. Instead <laughs> so of in the empathy. I get yeah, get <laughs> in the hole.
2: Empathy for me is it's about understanding somebody else's position or, or mm. you know getting in the shoes of that person. Yeah. But I think what we some, what we sometimes wrongly do is we assume we assume we understand how someone's going to receive a bit of communication from us. So we go, oh, well, I don't want to say this because they'll feel like that. When actually we have no idea how they'll feel. Mm. Because we're not them. Yeah. And you can't just assume that somebody's going to feel a certain way. And so empathy is about listening and about genuinely understanding. And But but what comes with that, as, as I do think, is candor and kindness and coming from a place of love and honesty and, mm. and openness. And I think, I think we have that. And so the, the empathy ambassadors thing, which is – sorry, mm. it's taken me a long time to answer <laughs> your question – is – Belinda then came in and she spoke to loads of different people. We basically created an army of ambassadors, empathy ambassadors, who were self-selecting in the same way that the mental health allies were self-selecting, who wanted to take responsibility for changing certain things in the w- in the way that we did things in the company.
0: What made you more empathetic?
2: So we give we have free breakfast here every so morning. So do we? Yeah. But the way that we communicate it, the, the the signage on it, it's not very clear, and I think it's quite the signage is eat this and don't make a mess kind of thing rather than here have a banana and some some, some cereal and you know it'll be the the beginning of a great day sort of thing it's identifying the way that some of our signage around our building isn't necessarily the most empathetic
0: but can I have a word with you on this because (laughs) as Emily knows we give free breakfast free booze in the evenings you know free yoga classes and I get very upset when I come in and there's empty cereal bowls on the desk and sploshes of bits of milk and coffee upstairs and there's you know cores of apples and I think without sounding like the mother because I don't want to be that the moaning mother I do want to say listen here's a free breakfast because I think it's really important that you feel you know you can come in eat because some of the you know young juniors that we get coming in that's a great meal for them to start the day also i love the fact they can get together sit upstairs in the in the restaurant communicate connect make their coffees yeah. get their breakfast it's something kind of wonderfully spiritual and connected but clean your bloody plate <laughs> up now i think that's fair i i think that's fair because i don't think there's a two-way thing in empathy there's a thing of this is what we are really... I feel is really important for you to feel secure, safe, happy.
2: Yeah. And that I, would
0: make me feel better if you cleaned your bowl up or put it in the damn dishwasher. about.
2: it's all about language, and it's all about was how... Was that the wrong language then? Probably, yeah. I'd say it probably was.
0: Because I do Damned get very washing. upset over this, and I and I think... I've, I mean, I'm on the journey. I'm on the journey, Josh. I don't know all the answers. Yeah, and I'm, I'm the same. Be, I, I'm, I'm the same. on the journey, but it doesn't... It does annoy me. And the other thing is, is hanging coats up. I've the most beautiful <laughs> offices. I've spent more money on that than I have in the interiors of my home. And all I want is for people to hang their coats up. If I come in, they're not expecting me in the day. All I hear is <laughs> and they all run round and they pick their coats up and they're scuttling off and I just want to go, Oh my goodness. It would have taken you. Two minutes to walk to the coat closet, <laughs> and they know it upsets me. But I <laughs> don't,
1: don't think the coat closet as well. to me about it, Emily. Oh, you know, nice. no, you're know. the
0: culture director. Oh, why one not afford it.
1: I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Do you know what it is with the furniture as well? Got these beautiful chairs that are a, they're a light color. Almost office. Someone's old coat on the when back you of you check Someone's old coat. It just throws out the whole. You know, furniture. I'm not. Yeah, I'm annoying. not in the Devil Wears
0: Prada. I'm certainly not Miranda. Not far. I sometimes want to be that The thing is, if I came in and they'd all be so scared those coats wouldn't be there but I'm not because I'm much kinder
2: yeah so I'm like you yeah. and I think that, that we are on a journey let's, yeah. just, let's just put it no, that but way we are, yeah.
0: I think it is that now if ever, I was listening to my spiritual guru Eckhart Tolle he would just say you know just be there with a the good energy that's how he speaks he's <laughs> German he's amazing and put it back inside you and don't feel they're offending you and they're not you know they're not grateful because that does what go in yeah, my head yeah, and i yeah. have to put that out there and just sit and be sort of passively kind and then they feel my good energy yeah right. it's difficult it's really difficult right yeah, it's it really difficult
2: be. but the, but i think even the word difficult we've stood up in front of the company so we're going to uh, restructure the company we and we'll say change is hard and then we're defining change as being yeah. hard when actually change it doesn't have to be hard. Change can be amazing, and like yeah. we do this. And so I'm being on. I'm just being honest. You know, I'm constantly cocking this stuff up. It's about recognizing it and acknowledging it. And, no wonder you sleep it. at
0: night. I've got
2: to <laughs> <laughs> One thing the empathy ambassadors did, which I thought was great, was they created this pamphlet, which was how to have a. And again, they use the word how to have a difficult conversation. Now, in my learning from this is. There is no such thing as a difficult conversation. How it's to just, have an conversation. There is just conversation. a conversation, you know, how to have a conversation. But what it does is it gives guidelines to how to listen to people and how to have yeah. it, ask open questions, which I think was really a both powerful, empowering for them, but also a very practical thing for everybody in the company. Hmm. And that enabled empathy because it meant that people were armed with the tools to be able to have an empathetic conversation with somebody, especially when it's over something that can be quite a challenging issue.
0: When I was on the robe of my book tour, and, and I would talk about this and how I cha- we changed the culture at Porters, which is, you know, much along the same lines as what you've done here at Mediacom. I would still get people, and I, I remember putting up their hands and saying, I have just started my business and I really like what you're saying, but can I hold off on being sort of kind and decent for a bit? Because that isn't going to be, I won't be able to kickstart a business By using those values. They genuinely, people do not associate success and profitability with being really kind, decent human beings.
2: I think that's nonsense.
0: No, but it's nonsense because we know it's different. Yeah. But there still is that whole feeling and a lot, a lot of it out there and outside our London bubble where people still feel you know what, I've got to be be over this. I've got to be tough. Mm. This has got to make business decisions.
2: I believe very strongly in a high-performance culture as well. So Mm. my expectations and our expectations, it's not just about me, but our whole leadership expectations here, we've got high expectations of people. We expect the very best from our people. And we expect our people to be the best in the industry. And we expect them to have an intrinsic motivation to be the best that Mm. they can be. And so... You know, we hire for attitude and and so, yeah, it's a high performance culture and that's a big reason for, you know, winning is a big part, thing for us. You know, we are mm-hmm. highly competitive and we're very kind of structured in the way that we compete and pitch and so on and so forth and we do well. And I think that having a winning culture is a really important thing and it's a culture that people want to be part of and, you know, who doesn't want to be on a part of a winning team? But at the same time you have to create a space for those people to be their best selves. And, and that's where the softer side of things comes in. And, you know, you have to, you need people to want to do their very best for you in this place. And, that comes from creating a culture where they're, ha- they're happy to be here and they're happy to give their very best. Do you know
0: what, it's so funny you're talking about this because um, you want people to do their very best for you. I remember back to my school days and I was talking to my daughter about it, the best work I ever did were for the teachers that I thought were the best and that did the best lessons and it inspired yeah. me and you were work that bit extra. <laughs> I remember my French teacher I got A's, I was like, she was brilliant and my English teacher, my history teacher and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I was really good at art but the teacher didn't like me. Me and I just just did not just did not connect and didn't do great work. Well, I did eat the, the still life fruit in the A level, so <laughs> no wonder she didn't like me. <laughs> but <laughs> she anyone talking. had painted it. You would no, just, they, they laid uh, out the still life in the art lesson for A level art, and I crept in with my friend, me and my, my my two pals, and oh, that looks lovely. And we started eating it, and then they came in. <laughs>
2: it's all gone. She didn't like me at all, <laughs> at all you want to do well for the people who inspire you and but you also really want to do well for yourself as well you and, and you really want people to do well because they want to do well you know it's yeah. it's that's why we want you know self-motivated people and going back to your question about you know people who so we do we, we demand a lot but we don't stand over them you know in a kind I'm of no, very no, old we're fashioned type we're way yeah. we're, we're
0: fast our business is fast yeah that I was going to say and we're in this on. we're
1: you know we're both working agencies how do you handle that client stress because that's something that I think a lot of people in agencies attribute their stress to if you've got the client that's always incredibly demanding and often we're really submissive to your clients yeah how do you cope with that here yeah
2: so well the first thing I would say is clients understand my position on our people and putting our people first because I'm very explicit about that um, externally and so our clients are brilliant people in the main who do fantastic work and they want the same but yes sometimes they have pressures on them and those pressures can be pushed over to to, to us and our people so I took part in a debate in the house of commons earlier this year the motion that was being debated was client behavior is affecting our people's mental health and I argued against this because Mm -hmm. I was saying Client behavior doesn't affect our mental health. Going back to the conscious leadership thing, it's our thinking that affects how we feel about Mm. stuff. And actually, we need to manage that. So basically, the answer to your question is, first of all, I think it's the responsibility of the leadership in an agency to have very straight and honest relationships and conversations with clients about their behavior. And I think that things like that should be nipped in the bud quite early in relationships. At the same time... We have started putting people through conscious leadership training. So the thing that I talked about earlier when I was talking about the thing I had five years ago, it was transformational transformation for me. We've had 100 or so people now th- go through training with Chantal to help understand the relationship between thought and feelings. And that re- really, for want of a better word, that's resilience training. Listen, the truth is, it is tough. And that is, you know, that is the commercial rigor of the day-to-day lives that we live. And, and it can be stressful and it can be pushy and it can make people feel like very anxious and very stressed. And I think we have to, as, as people who lead organizations that have people in the cold face, you know, we have to help them with that. And it's partly about creating an environment where they can talk about it openly with their colleagues or they can talk about it with uh, their managers but also it's about giving them the tools to be able to manage that stress and anxiety themselves and to be able to also communicate back to the client if they feel that it's inappropriate.
0: And a final bit on that that I think is, and I think you're absolutely right on every response on that, but we have a thing with if that client does get to an extent where we're feeling we're not sharing the values after we've had that candid kind of conversation with them, then there comes a time where this isn't working for us because it doesn't matter what you're paying us we will walk away.
2: I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I absolutely do. I mean, fortunately, we don't find ourselves in that situation no, very often. No, we
0: haven't. We haven't. We've had where we've gone for pictures of business and we've met people and thought, did you connect with them? <laughs> <laughs> did, don't seem like very... De- and we've all gone there and we were, we we're not going to go for that piece yeah. of business. You can feel it. You yeah. can feel it. You can feel where that dominance is. Definitely. We've got decent people, haven't we?
1: Yeah, we do at the moment. <laughs>
0: thank you so much Josh that was really really interesting and you're our neighbour so do pop round if you want a cup of sugar any time
2: okay I will or a coffee I will we'll
0: just talk about life
2: yeah definitely well thanks very much
0: Josh I'm still holding the offer round come round for a cup of tea you're my neighbour coffee whatever but mate make sure you wash it up (laughs) right it's true (laughs) It is don't true. Don't you leave your dirty old mug there. I get upset. So what,
1: what language, we need to think about what language you're going to use here if people are going to pick their bloody coats off from the back of the chairs.
0: I haven't got to the end of it. Do you know how long this has been going? I don't know. I've tried this with my daughter at home because we've mm-hmm. just moved house and I've just said to well, you, you know how much love I put into this in creating this home? All I'm going to ask of you, Verity, is this. And I said, please, I, I'm asking you not to respond because if you respond with the kind of, eh, it's going to be a moan. I don't want this to be a moan. <laughs> just please make sure your bedroom's tidy and your hanger coat's up and it's so far I'm just at the end of my second week worked has it? yeah okay not holding my breath but let me just see (laughs) I don't know it's about mutual respect I think
1: it is I think people just I don't know what it is they forget don't they they rush in and then they're like oh but I was just going out for coffee no 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 i think it's
0: totally that but then that goes but gets back to mindfulness and mm. being in the moment and if you listen to my total love ecot Tolly mm-hmm. He talks about even being mindful when you wash up, putting, being mindful when you're doing really the most mundane tasks, like putting the bins out, which you kind of want to hurry through and get it out, and then you sort of knock into the door and it splits, doesn't it, the bin line. The bin juice goes on your toe and you go, what the actual? And so actually just taking that freneticism and being that step ahead out of the situation and being in that moment is what will make us all more mindful. The same with consumption. We just did it mindlessly, didn't we? And we now know we've got a planet that we've got to look after. And now we're going to go to a quote. And
1: I thought it would be nice to hear something about empathy, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, empathy. You talked about empathy, actually, um, down that little hole. Um, down <laughs> that little hole. And you don't want people to get into that little hole. That's the thing, is I it? Know. You know. Um and so much that we do as humans, we just keep to ourselves because there's a shame that goes with mm-hmm. it. We want to be seen as confident. We want to be seen as cool. We want to be seen as surviving, and it's okay. Do you know what? Sometimes it's not. Oh, hello! Come on in. That someone's coming right in the middle of my speech, and it's Harley. Harley. That's Harley. Harley, with Harley, come here. Come here. Come here. I'm gonna. I get you to come in. Come and sit here for two seconds. Come in. No, just sit down.
3: Come. This Harley, is
0: Harley. Yeah. I'm going to explain Harley. Well, I can't explain <laughs> it's Harley. It's still far too difficult. But how, how tall are you, Harley?
3: I'm six foot three.
0: He's 6 to 3 and he's got what color hair, Harley? I'm ginger. Yes, respect the gingers. Harley. Yep. Harley, have you been having a lot of garlic last night mate?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I actually did. Yeah, I had a spaghetti bolognese. Actually,
0: I want you to do my my
3: little <laughs>
0: did you? I want you to but t- you tell to me why out? you think we are empathetic. I am holding Harley's hands. So you can hold do, me up from, you after you tell me why you think we're empathetic here.
3: I think we're empathetic because we are a business that cares about people. Mm. I mean, I don't think I can explain it better than that. It's about understanding people on a personal level mm. and realizing that this isn't just a place of work. Yeah. right. Like work is part of the picture, but it's not the whole answer, is it?
0: And sometimes I say to you, Harley, you're getting out of order a bit, don't I? I do sometimes. Yeah, you,
3: you clip me around the back of the ear sometimes, and I love you for it. Yeah. We do I do that. it with love
0: and kindness? You do. That's you all do. that matters, mate. And listen, I love having you here. You know that?
3: Oh, I'm grateful to be here.
0: Over you go, Harley. <laughs> you take us out. Uh, tell us who, whose quote this is.
3: Okay, this is an Oprah quote. Yeah leadership is about empathy it's about having the ability to relate to and connect with people for the purpose of inspiring and empowering their lives the struggle of my life created empathy i could relate to pain being abandoned having people not love me she did a great Um, podcast with Eckhart Tolle oh
0: mate (laughs) hands up that's my shit I really love that stuff that's (laughs) my shit Harley I knew that you were on the same page my dad
3: bought me a book (gasps) Eckhart Tolle book when I was 16 and I did the same for Milo myself I was like oh what is this nonsense get this away from me I don't know and I came back to it two years later changed my life
0: Harley, I li- and I'm still here, goes, by the way. I know. I'm just letting I you know. I know. But listen, he <laughs> talks, to a I talks and he goes, so, doesn't I so, so, deep, wise, "So, so wise, so wise." Oh, I love him. And actually, Harley, maybe and one thing I want you to think of. Actually, while you're here, we've been talking about this. You know how we create this office? That's we try our best to put food, a lovely office, a mm-hmm. place where we can all hang. It's beautiful. And you know that sometimes I lose it when all the coats are on the back of the chair or people haven't washed up.
3: Yeah, I scram. It was only yesterday I scrambled to get the, the puffer off the back of the seat. <laughs> You've got to set some rules, there. You've got to no, have some rules. Yeah, but
0: those are the rules, but yeah. But it's, wh- not a, it's not the worst
3: rule in the world. But
0: No, but why is it? What, we were talking about this. Why is it, do you think? Because I personally take that. So I, I come in, I think, they don't care. They don't care that it means a lot to me that this place is beautiful. That's how I take it, Harley. I do.
3: I hear that. I see that as well. <laughs>
0: Harley's now representing all of the Portas agency. No, but Harles. Oh, oh, we got to talk about this a little bit more. We were thinking, how do I get that message without, you know, breaking down and being totally vulnerable? Because here's what it means to me. What's
3: wrong with being vulnerable about that, though? What's wrong with putting your hands up and going? This shit means something to me. Please listen.
0: Okay. All right. I'm going to do that. I'm going to. Yeah. Can you make sure that new recruits get that vulnerability (laughs) every time they come in? Because I see someone, I go, who's that person? They go, oh, that's such such." a... Why didn't anyone tell them to hang their coat up?
3: The new person briefing. Okay, (laughs) right. I I think what,
1: in conclusion, I'm going to talk to our head of talent. Whenever the new recruit comes in, there'll be a final note on the offer letter going, and always hang your fucking coat
0: up. Yeah, mate.
1: And who's on the show next week, Emily? Next week, we have Julian Richer, who was the founder of Richer Sounds. Oh,
0: wait for this one. It Listen. was a
1: meeting of
0: minds. Meeting of minds and physical bodies. Well, no, I mean, uh, <laughs> we lay on the bed, but oh, we we'll talk about bed, that yeah. later. Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> Julian Richer, you're as mad as a bag of snakes, but what a talent!
1: <laughs> Bye. Bye. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>